Welcome, everybody. You are listening to No Coast Cinema here on WGM+. We are your guide to cinema here in the city of Chicago and all around the world. I am your host, Tom Hush, and, of course, I am always joined by my co-host, Connor Cornelius. Hello! Bring it in, Tom. Ooh! Ooh, that hurts. Mm. That was nice. <laughs> we're, bringing in, yeah. we're bringing in the action and the sensual, yeah. the sensuality. We're super high energy. We're, dial- we're dialing it in. Yeah. Um, we got a great episode for you planned here. Oh my gosh, yeah. We are so excited. Uh, coming up in the next segment, we are going to be talking to Ruby Western and Kayla Ginsberg. They are the creators of a web series called Afternoon Snatch, and it focuses on a feminist queer magazine here in the city of Chicago. Um, and it's just a great web series, just a short six episodes. But it is honestly, and I, I can speak for Connor here I, as well, one of the best uh, series of its kind that we've seen um, out of the indie cinema sort of circuit. So we're going to be talking to them a little bit later about what that show is all about and how they're representing the the queer community, the LGBTQA plus community in such a fun and interesting way. Uh, we also do our after credit sequence where we do a little segment called Missing Reels, where we talk to Ruby and Kayla about a couple of movies that they have never seen, but are kind of big in the pop culture I don't know, zeitgeist, lexicon, canon, whatever you want to call it. Uh, We talked to them about a couple of movies that they have never seen, so stick around for that. But for right now, we've got our coming attractions segment where we talk a little bit about the business of cinema and what's going on in terms of cinema trends. And, Connor, I think you have a pretty uh, controversial story. We've got some exciting news. Uh, Future presidential candidate Dwayne The Rock Johnson uh, is filming his new, uh, over the last couple of weeks, has been filming in Chicago for his new film, which is a, a soft reboot of a 1980s video game some of you might be familiar with, Rampage. Ooh, now that's the one with the big, giant kind of king. Kong yeah, you got the King Kong. You got the knockoff, maybe overweight Godzilla. <laughs> um, and let's just let's just be honest: streets are closing down, and schools are closed all across America. <laughs> Thank you, Dwayne the Rock Johnson, American but, uh, American hero. I mean, in all honesty, though, I was I was actually here in the studio not that long ago, uh, not today, but earlier this week, and we were treated to a completely empty Michigan Avenue with a low flying helicopter camera and all, getting some, I guess, pickup shots or what, just getting some shots of the buildings. Picking them I, up, yeah, picking them up. Getting some shots of the buildings that I guess are going to be digitally destroyed yep. <laughs> by a giant ape or lizard or something of that nature being chased by the rock, who is a formidable yeah. foe. I, uh, I feel bad for the monsters. Yeah, he is an enemy of evil everywhere. Yeah, those monsters are going to be uh, between a rock and a hard place. That's True. for sure. True. But we do have another story coming out of uh, Sony Pictures. Now, they have never been known to be great at uh, navigating the film industry. Footnote, um, see The Amazing Spider-Man franchise. Yeah, see The Amazing Spider-Man. See a lot of franchises that they kind of tried to... Um, champion champion you know tried to make a thing um but they have been in a lot of financial heat over the last couple of years they're really not doing very well um no one knows what's going to happen to sony but they've decided why not put another nail in the coffin <laughs> and start releasing what they're calling clean versions 
of some of their films. Connor, can you tell us a little bit more? Yep. So uh, if you've ever been on a really long flight or anything, you might notice that some of the movies are edited. Or if you watch a, you know, maybe an R-rated film on on television, maybe a little bit of it is edited. Jeez. Maybe a little bit of them are edited for maybe younger eyes. But what Sony is doing is now they are giving you the once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to finally be able to purchase cut-for-TV films. You'll be able to spend as much money as you want on uh, I think they have 24 titles uh, ranging from like Spider-Man you can get the clean version of Spider-Man and uh, Captain Phillips the Tom Cruise biopic looking at this list here it is truly bizarre they've got like cinematic masterworks like Crouching Tiger Hidden Dragon and then they have uh, Grown Ups 2 they have the oh, entire grown-ups canon. It's uh, yeah, and of course <laughs> the, the, the grown-ups cinematic the, universe, the grown-ups mythos. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it's just you know if that wasn't ridiculous enough that you can now finally purchase the formatted for TV version. Finally, uh, it he they have drawn the ire of professional white stoner Seth Rogen <laughs> and, and his boss <laughs> his long his longtime boss and <laughs> they have been pretty outspoken about this haven't they oh yeah they have uh they've had some really harsh words very harsh words for um Sony Pictures, and that's because uh, I believe Judd Apatow, uh, one, a few of his films were released through Sony Pictures, um, and same thing with Rogan and uh, Adam, uh, director Adam McKay as well, very upset with this. <clears throat> They're basically just saying, "Holy!" and this is, I quote from Seth Rogan, holy shit, please don't do this to our movies, thanks. Uh, Judd Apatow was also very critical, tweeting that the company would get hell for the initiative, and frankly, I think they deserve it. This is ridiculous. Yeah, and if you've ever questioned the uh, influential power of these people, or Twitter, uh Sony's backpedaled. They yeah. said that they will not release clean versions of the films if the original filmmakers are against it. And yeah, it seems as though we're not going to be getting a uh, a clean version of Super Jaime. Or uh, what was that? Your Highness? Your right? Highness. <laughs> Danny McBride and James Franco. Oh, I don't know if that was actually I don't know Sony. We, but that may, Well, it's. Uh, I know Talladega Nights is on that list. Um, a few different th- properties. That so if Adam McKay's out. against it. No, that's not, they're not going to do it. And the whole thing just kind of doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me because I understand the necessity for cut for TV or cut for in-flight entertainment films because you don't know who's going to be watching at any given time. So you have to cut out some of the things. You have, sometimes you have to edit it for time. Sometimes sure. you literally have to edit for aspect ratio. But the reasoning behind that is because it's temporary, right? You're on an airplane right. and then you're eventually you, you will reach your destination or you are just sitting down and watching television. Eventually you're going to go to bed or eventually you're going to get up and leave. Like yeah. you're, you're not tied, maybe not you're, I'm certainly not as emotionally tied to these movies uh, in that sort of a setting. Yeah. So when you're buying something for home media, why would you get the clean version? Where is the rationalization from these? Essentially, the reasoning behind this is that they just want more people to see more films and just like, oh, well, we want to give the opportunity for a wider audience to enjoy the, you know, intellectual pursuit that is Talladega Nights, The Ballad of Ricky Bobby. Now, don't get me wrong. That is a great movie, and I think it's a very funny movie, but it doesn't work without 
the raunchiness. It's yeah. kind of the point. It's Will Ferrell and Adam McKay. Yeah. This is what they, they do, smart, dumb comedy. Yeah. And uh, if you don't want your kids watching that type of movie, don't let them watch that type of movie. If, you know, if it's on TV, it's already cut for TV. Why would you buy the clean version? Like, why would you buy it? That's, that's what I don't get. That's yeah. That's the part that's really contentious. Is like, why would you pay more? Because as the common idea was that was like the unrated cut that you would get on the DVD. You're paying for the DVD because you get the full thing, you know, and often including an unrated cut that did that had even more naughtiness in there so now you're gonna buy the sanitize it's the complete opposite way of thinking and i just don't get it yeah for the, just for like a number here Step Brothers, an r-rated comedy uh they pull 23 instances of violence and they pull 152 instances of bad language and 91 of sexual content. So what is left in the film, what they arrive and call each other Nighthawk and then it ends? Is that <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but you're right. You're absolutely right. There is no there's no sense to it. Oh, it's this reminds me of back. Um, there were versions of E.T. where they went back and changed the uh, police officers that were holding guns to holding walkie-talkies. Walkie-talkies, yeah, yeah. Famously parodied in South Park, but that was a real thing that they did. That was not a joke. They did that in one of the uh, versions of the film that was released on home media. And I don't know. It's just like, really? This is your this is your solution to having bad content in films instead of putting the onus of responsibility on the parent or whoever the guardian is? You know, and at the same time, kids are just going to see certain things. And you might have to explain to them that, yeah, people say bad words sometime and there's some naughty humor, you know. Just yeah, there's a little up. bit of education invo- inherent in uh, filmmaking, exp- you know, in a film watching experience. Mm-hmm. And sounds like Sony is trying to maybe lessen that a little bit. I suppose so. I learned everything I know from movies. Yeah, I think I think I did, too. Let me think. Yeah. I yep. watched 1984, so that's how I know that 2 plus 2 equals 5. Yeah. Mm. And that's the Double plus truth. ungood is the same thing as saying right. bad. Uh-huh. I am really hard-pressed to think of anything that I know that Damn. isn't pulled straight from a... That I can't, you, uh, can't back up with a reference. Yeah. So, Sony, stop tampering with our children's education. This you know is- what, Sony? <laughs> I got some words for you. Grow the hell up. Yes. <laughs> We're going to put the NoCo Cinema stamp of grow the hell up yep. to Sony Pictures. They're, I think the whole thing is that they're just in dire financial straits, and they're just like, we need to drum up something May to sell movies. Start rebranding ourselves as more of a family company or something. Who knows? Who who knows? Certainly not us. <laughs> <laughs> Certainly not us. Although, if uh, Sony, come, come on, on the, the show. show. <laughs> come on the show. Let's talk about this. Or hire us as executives, and we'll totally run your company uh, and straight into the sky. Listen, I've got plenty of time. I, yeah. Hire me on as a just slap CEO under my name. Boom. And then just watch, start them. raking it in. Yeah, watch the money <laughs> See what happens, baby. Oh, yeah. oh my god! All right. So, like we said, next up, we're going to be talking to <laughs> Ruby Western and Kayla Ginsberg, creators of Afternoon Snatch, and that's going to be in our feature presentation segment. You are listening to Noco Cinema here on WGM Plus. We are your guide to cinema here in the city of Chicago and all around the world. Sony, grow the hell up. <laughs> More after this. 
Welcome back, everybody. You're listening to No Coast Cinema here on WGM Plus, your guide to cinema here in the city of Chicago and all around the world. I am your host, Tom Hush, joined again, as always, by my host, Connor Cornelius. How are you doing, Connor? I'm doing great, Tom. Thanks for uh, thanks for that sterling introduction. How are you doing today? Uh, you know, I'm a little verklempt. <laughs> back from the break? Flush. Yeah, back from the break. I'm still I'm blushing because we have such great guests today, and I don't know what to do with myself. Yeah, who are these people? Oh my gosh. These are two people who are making a fantastic web series. Now, this is a show that focuses on cinema. It's NoCo Cinema. We look at cinema. However, we want to broaden that definition of cinema because it would be so unfair to eliminate, thi- you know, different forms of art, the visual art, the filmmaking art, simply because it's not presented in the way that we think of cinema. And there um, is something strongly cinematic about this about ex- this show. Absolutely. So this is a web series. It's uh, called Afternoon Snatch, and it's an unapologetically queer web comedy about heartbreak and the importance of community. And the reason we're putting this in the cinema category is because we're not talking about a series this isn't cheers okay <laughs> gone are the days of multi-camera sitcoms all taking place in one location uh television and web series syndicated storytelling uses a lot more cinematic elements to it it's single camera they're framing the shots like it's a movie it's a story being told with beginning middle and end like a movie however it's just got that nice long syndicated feel to it and um like i said afternoon snatch right now we have the creators of this fantastic show which is available on open tv open.tv which is a platform that they're going to talk a little bit about that hosts shows like afternoon snatch please welcome to the program ruby western and kayla ginsburg creators of afternoon snatch how are y'all doing today hey so for clamped so what's going around it's uh it's just one of those days i guess yes we're so excited to all be together and uh connor and i recently watched this series uh it's six episodes all available on open tv and we just have to say we absolutely love it it is one of the most i I, almost addictive for six episodes you get quickly addicted to yeah the only thing that i found myself wishing that that there was more of was more content. Yeah. You know, I wish we there just, were just more episodes. Yeah. Goodness gracious. <laughs> yeah. These headphones aren't going to fit by the end of this. Oh. <laughs> so big. Hey, that's what we're here for because we can't get enough of Afternoon Snatch. So, Ruby... <laughs> yeah. And that's so good. That's the best part about it. So, Ruby and Kayla, co-creators of Afternoon Snatch, can you tell us a little bit about where the idea for the show came from? Yeah. Sure thing. It, it was really... Uh, amalgamation of our brains. I feel like we were both um, interested in different things and we smashed them together and created Afternoon Snatch. Ruby was in a state at I the time. I was. <laughs> I mean, this whole show is about like right after a breakup and that is where I was. Um, and so I wrote, I was like, I'm going to make some art about this. And I made like an eight minute short film script that I showed to Kayla that was supposed to be like this really dramatic moving piece about like two people in a shower like talking it out you know and it was like I love you I love you as well will you touch my butt okay I miss you I miss you already and I showed it to Kayla and she's like oh this is pretty funny and I was like 
bitch. <laughs> <laughs> this is this is not a comedy. I don't know what you're talking about. Anyhow, so we moved on from that terrible situation. But she was like, we can make something out of this. Um, and then than we did. Yeah, we took like the first word and like scrapped everything else. <laughs> so it started out as a short film originally. Yes. And a drama. And a, and a mm. drama. So now we have a comedy web series. <laughs> yeah. um, so with, uh, you wrote the original piece that became will become Afternoon Snatch. Um, who writes now? Do you write together? Do you come uh, from different stories and you're just like, ah, let's see what we can make from this? Right. We totally storyboarded the whole thing together. And then um, I would, I did like a skeleton draft and then Kayla edited and she, I mean, she had done this uh, thesis about like lesbian sex magazines and she had all this really wonderful knowledge to put in there about what it would be like to work in an office like that. Yeah, I wanted the historical jokes to really come through. Um, and so that was like my main goal is like getting some off our backs jokes. Um, anyway, yeah. <laughs> and Kayla remains the only one in the room. <laughs> yeah, so that was like where I was coming from, where I was like really excited about um, lesbian queer magazines and what that would sort of look like now if a, like, if a queer lesbian um, all-encompassing magazine could really survive in print, uh, which... At this point At in this time. moment yeah. in time, which is... Uh, probably not possible. I, I can't think of any examples that really remain in print, which is sad. So that was sort of the like utopia that we were dreaming up. Mm-hmm. And that was the part of my brain that I smashed with rubies. For sure. So it was like breakup magazines. Afternoon snatch. Here it is. Yeah. Yeah. And we back and forth those drafts over and over and over. Yeah. Ruby definitely did most of the writing. Um, and we just edited the fuck out of them. <laughs> Mostly like, Kayla took again. out my Christopher Walken impressions that I <laughs> attempted to put in there. Did, Did was you? there any left? I don't no, think so. No, there were no yeah, left. I, I, there were so many when we started. Is it... Is it a shame? I don't know. I would have. I would have you loved to see. You should do it right now. I, I did do think... it right now. <laughs> that was kind of one of the things that I was missing, maybe a little yeah, right. bit in Afternoon Snatch. Absolutely. I could have done more, some more well, impressions. Yeah. You can blame me. More walking. More so, walking. Uh, yeah, go ahead. Kyle. So it sounds like you. It came very organically the idea for this show, and it sounds like working you two working together comes very organically. How long really did it take to? to get to the show that we have now. Right. Um, from first conception, to just continue the birth metaphor, um, <laughs> like three years. Yeah. Yeah. We started writing together and thinking together in like August of 2013? 14? 14. 14. 14. Okay. I think. Mm-hmm. I, whatever. Yeah, anyway, that's the one we're going for. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And wrote for like six months as I was applying to grants and doing more like development stuff. We filmed to 2015. Yeah. And then. Summer of 2015. Yeah. And then we were editing and we we found Open TV, this amazing platform. And um, then they had an opening like the next year on their okay. schedule. So that's. That's we took another year. Yeah, which actually ended up being faded. I think that that year really helped flush out the editing mm-hmm. and all of the other parts that I think would have been a lot more rushed. So it was a long process. I mean, tiny indie, tiny budgeted things 
are really a labor of love, so it's mostly yes. like mostly, just takes your yeah. time to do. Mostly Kayla's time. Yeah. <laughs> it takes mostly Kayla's time. <laughs> now, Ruby, you play Annie I do. in the series, so the, you are the protagonist. Mm-hmm. And as you mentioned, this came from a story that dealt with your own personal life, your own personal uh, emotions, and your own breakup. How does it feel to be playing through this in a you know, kind of fictional, but also not so fictional setting. Right. That's a really good question. It, yeah. I mean, it was an interesting thing because of this time frame that, like, while we were writing it, I was, like, you know, balled up Kleenex on the table, like, drinking beer at inappropriate times of day while we were writing. And then by the time we actually filmed, I was kind of, like, A-OK and, like, dating someone else and, like, doing my thing in Chicago. Um, so... It felt, A, great to be like, oh, look how far away I am from that, like, barking in the shower situation. Yeah. <laughs> um, and also, it was, like, it was good to reconnect with that feeling and think about, like, how much progress I had made in the world. Totally. And so... Which is so much. You made so much progress. Yeah. Kayla, so affirming. <laughs> so did you find that working through kind of play, getting to play this character, did you think that it, I guess it did take a long time, right, for the final product to finally happen, but did you find yourself using that as a way to sort of work through the uh, initial uh, reason for writing it? Um, yeah, I mean, definitely, definitely helped me reconnect with that time in my life. Um I think and the writing process was really... That was the, the biggest cathartic yeah. bit, for okay. sure. Um, some, like, little barbed, mean lines about people that we eventually took out. That <laughs> 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 yeah, <it> was good. <laughs> that was very important. The acting itself was truly just, like, a joyous experience. Everyone there was so delightful. Yeah, I can't wait to oh, talk about the Oh, my goodness. Yes, everyone was so great. Uh, we had a great time. We had a really, really, really lovely time. That's great. Yeah, it seems like a labor of love, and you definitely get that kind of vibe of, it seems like that these people all genuinely like to be around one another when you're watching the show. Great. So l- let's talk about the cast, though. Yeah. So these characters are, um, I'm just going to go ahead and say these are not characters that normally would be captured in maybe a network TV setting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, unfortunately, because they are gems. Right? right. <laughs> yeah, and there is something, despite that, there is something universally relatable about watching your film or watching your episodes what was the um what was sort of the genesis of, of some of the characters i really i really enjoyed sheila's character sort of the like uninformed feminist that you're sort of learning about these issues that the characters are going through right through her a little bit yes yeah um so sheila is actually played by the amazing maura kinney who is my best friend in the whole world. Um, We're actually platonic life partners. We had a commitment ceremony a couple years ago, committing to queer family forever. And our relationship is very beautiful and meaningful. Um, And she also went to DePaul Theater School and is this fabulous, hilarious Mm -hmm. actor. And I do think really that character, I think, created a sort of like root for people to enter into the story if they were feeling unsure about the identities or feelings or whatever that was being portrayed. I think she is like a really good character usage person yeah tunnel she's Words. she's a tunnel bridge <laughs> <Yeah>. something <laughs> like that to get in there for sure and i think we wanted this to be educational but not psae right you know? like there were like a few things that we really wanted to talk about relatively explicitly and have it not be like pause and then like someone shuffles in yeah. like 
pronouns are important. <laughs> a Ask very your friends. <laughs> a very special one. episode of Afternoon Snack. <laughs> <laughs> the glossary. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that was that was definitely a tool for for that. Yeah, I think in creating the characters in the setting are like most important, most sort of like the forefront goal was to reflect our community that mm-hmm. we have and create something that like celebrated that community and portrayed it really unapologetically Mm -hmm. Um, but we also wanted it to be relatable to everyone else and like so first and foremost is the queer community loving it second and also very important is making sure that other people can understand it and appreciate it and hopefully learn something so that was sort of our hierarchy of goals yeah, and I would say that all those goals are accomplished. Obviously, I cannot yes. speak for... I, I can't imagine how you'd find someone that doesn't love something about this. I love every part of it, but... Um, oh, my God. It's, uh, yeah. <laughs> You're listening to Gush Fest. <laughs> no, Coast. You're on Gush Radio. Gush Radio. <laughs> um, with but, Afternoon Snatch. Get it? Get it? Yeah. And with, uh, with the characters, um, a large theme of this show is identity and exploring one's own identity and engaging in other identities. Um, What was it like writing these characters and making them so distinct? Like, you know who Annie is. You know who Skye is. And there's not this kind of overlap of, hey, these are what all... This is just the queer community. Everybody's kind of the same. They feel like they are totally their own people. Um, How did you accomplish getting that distinct well-rounded character characters into the show well um something that first comes to mind for me is that when we were first writing we were actually going to do this like very cool spy movie-esque um thing where what yeah remember where you like was i high when we were <laughs> where we, like, this is news news to one of the creators spy? What? where we like pause it and across the screen rolls oh. like I, I thought you like meant the entire movie. thing was like, no, 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 no. no, no. Okay, no, yeah. no, okay. <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> I was so worried. I, I like, love how you characterize that. I don't even know. Um, yeah, where basically it was like, screen pause, uh, Sheila, 19, or whatever. Sheila's not 19. No, Sheila's, Sheila's not. Sheila's so it would 19. be like, age, pronouns, like a little something about them, and then it would resume. Yes. Yeah, and so that was sort of, I think, the, we wrote those sort of five-word descriptors early on, because mm-hmm. we thought that was going to be like the coolest effect ever, and then we didn't do it. <laughs> um, but that, I think, helped root the characters. We were like, okay, like everything relates back to what this person is. Like, for example, Julie, the boss, she's 19, she's badass. That was a joke I thought was so funny. <laughs> I was unsure. And, uh, it's kind of like your honor backs, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> In retrospect, I mean, now that it's done, I think it's fucking hilarious too. So, uh, anyhow, first yeah. So it definitely helped to write those like quick little abstracts on these characters. And thinking about like a fruit salad, you don't want everything to be a melon. You know, you got to no. have something citrusy in there. And oh god, <laughs> this is taking a turn. But what, you said, <laughs> what you said about rooting the characters, though. So instead of in light of, or sorry, in lieu of having um, these kind of title cards come in, you allowed the characters to kind of those title cards came out just in their actions and in their in their dialogue and it felt very natural so i that was a great i mean it was good to have those title cards ready to go but um i just i i remark every time watching the show about how you don't need someone to tell you what's happening as you said uh ruby with the it's not a psa 
this is you are watching it happen in a very realistic way uh do either of you have any sort of acting or cinematic experience prior to this i know you mentioned that uh ruby you went to a uh, drama camp with one of our other guests jake wiseman Mm -hmm. for a while so you have a little bit of the acting bug but (laughs) yeah yeah i do stand-up comedy and i do theater acting but this is my first film anything yeah and i was doing more film production um and did film production for a couple years Mm -hmm. well i guess the whole three-year process (laughs) i was doing film production and then as soon as afternoon snatch came out i retired um at the tender age of 24 or whatever uh so yeah i was doing i had a little bit of film experience i'd pa'd on a few things and i Mm -hmm. um, was working with someone eugene sun park who uh created full spectrum features which is a really cool um experimental alternative film nonprofit. and he was interested in web series and i was interested in web series and i was like ruby let's make a web series okay sure. (laughs) yeah Yeah, so i had been doing film production for a little bit and then really learned just like so much while doing Afternoon Snatch. Yeah, Kayla just jumped into the deep end. Accidentally. (laughs) (laughs) Kayla did so much work. Yeah, it was great. I ended up learning every aspect because I did every aspect Mm -hmm. from start to finish, which was awesome. With a ton of people. I mean, I didn't do everything, obviously. Mm -hmm. We had so many people working with us, and we collaborated throughout the entire thing. But I I felt really lucky that I got to, like, learn a little bit about development, learn a little bit about grant writing, learn a little bit about editing, learn a little bit about producing, just by... Get the craft services on the way to set. (laughs) (laughs) Just by doing it all. Yeah. So that was fun. Yeah. So one of the things about this show that that really strikes me is the it's certainly indie, but it's also got a very professional, sleek look to it. How was the wow. how were the shots? How how did the shots come about? Who was the cinematographer for this? Yeah, so um, a friend of mine who I'd work with on a couple of other indie things, Grace, Grace Pizzula. Pizzula. Oh my god, Let's that was awesome. That. Yeah. Um, was the DP, and she was amazing she was so great i like as soon as we started developing i was like i want grace i love her eye um and she also worked with our second camera drew montag who i'd also worked with before who was also fantastic and they both have very sleek very like i mean almost like a slight vintage edge i would say to their filmmaking styles but just like really clean and so beautiful so i felt really lucky to have them both for sure and i mean we were trying to work with as many like queer and women people behind the scenes as well yeah we wanted the like world that that. we created to be reflected on and off screen Mm -hmm. so most of the crew most of the cast and then of course like the characters are mostly queer mostly women mostly beautiful (laughs) (laughs) that's true every everybody in this um as connor as connor said the the cinematography is fantastic the writing is fantastic everything uh the acting so naturalistic and so much fun i actually want to play a little clip here from uh my personal favorite episode of the six uh it's from due dates which apart from the uh the the great pun I, I, it took me like five minutes to get. I was like, "How do you say that again?" Duh, duh oh dates. Oh my god! Did you not get that? I did not get that. that was due okay. dates. Oh my god! Me gosh. making these sleeper jokes for Kayla. <laughs> I can't believe because I speak French. I was like, "Yeah, two dates." Like, duh. Um, I. Again, after massage, surprising new. me over and over again. Exactly. The but gift that keeps on giving. I'm gonna We're play. all learning. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. But I'm going to play That's a little so clip smart, here from uh, from the 
portion of the episode where it's kind of intercutting between the two dates that are happening here and i just i just really like so much of this oh julie zond i know this wasn't the most sparkling evening of conversation i thought it was fine oh well i just want to take responsibility if it was weird i i don't feel like myself went through a really bad breakup so (laughs) i completely understand did julie tell you i'm recently divorced no are you okay working on it every day's a challenge yeah but you know what's really helped me what sex okay lots of sex oh my (laughs) goodness so what do you say Well, let me put it like that. (laughs) Yeah. So to preface that portion of it, that was uh, after a date that was going pretty poorly up to that point, I suppose. You texted out, please help. (laughs) And... uh, up to that point, the cameras are cutting between, or the shots are cutting between your date and uh, Sky's date um, with Sheila, and they're just the way that it juxtapose that you juxtapose the both of them is so funny. Uh, with your date going so poorly and Sky's date going, I better, I guess you know for it's sure it's steamier, steamier. Yeah, that's for sure. Like, oh my god, they um, both come to the same place if you think about it. That's so. exactly, <laughs> and I loved. It. In that particular portion, just the way, uh, Ruby, that you, like, played the awkwardness was was so much fun. Because you're just like, I want this to happen, but also this is so sudden. This is, uh, it was it was great. But uh, just an, an example of when the writing and the cinematography and everything came together to make a really, really funny scene. Um, one of the things that I appreciate about this episode was the frankness with which you talk about sex and that it's like it's a key component to people's relationships sort of so could you tell me about how you chose to go about this episode exploring your character's sex lives well that's yeah. a really good question. Yeah. I mean, I think the way that Kayla and I both live in the world, if I may make Please such do. a grand <laughs> sweeping statement, um, among many other things, is like an incredibly sex positive like way that we speak to humans just in general in the world. Like the way that I speak with my friends within my community is very, very frank and very open. And like my Absolutely. group text threads would not be allowed anywhere. Um <laughs> You know, there it's it's very explicit. So, um, I think that we wanted to reflect that openness and not. I don't know. I I, I don't think. I just didn't want to be subtle in the way that we talked about sex at Absolutely. all, because that's not the way that I talk about it. But at the same time, I would call this show kid friendly. Like I, there's no explicit nudity. There's no like. I think the sex scenes are very tame and mostly humorous um and i think that the way that sex and sexuality is talked about is really sex positive and i think totally shareable with i would say any age i don't know maybe i'm maybe i'm wrong what do you think ruby this is not a Y7 show. <laughs> show it to your kids. Yeah. At what age can you start showing uh, can you start showing children like uh, lingerie and stuff, you know? Well, and I mean it's a great question, but also like they see it fucking everywhere. Like yeah. I would say compared to the world that we live in, our show was very tame. 
and it's a it's a much more it's such a loving uh perception of sex and sexual relationship because the the emphasis is on the relationship part of it and um how emotional of an experience it is for all the characters even with jokes uh i I wish i wish our listeners could see this because the a lot of the sex portion has to do with uh one character in like a fox costume (laughs) being crawling around around. yeah crawling around on the floor one of the roommates walking just like having cereal like it's um and uh, even afterwards, something that it, it is played for it is played for humor, but it has a real emotional component is the fact that Annie cries three times, three times. just yeah, three times, just three times <laughs> during the experience. But it's it's a humorous moment because you're thinking, all you know, poor Annie having this kind of faux pas. But also, uh, I I felt true. I I don't know. I felt so like empathetic and felt so much for Annie because oh imagine that having your first sexual experience after such a bad breakup so you know just a big up to being able to play both of that for humor and this kind of subtle emotional character driven moment for Annie yeah and for me that scene also is like I feel a lot of empathy for Julie's aunt like right Julie's aunt is just like trying to get laid and Annie is going through this intense emotional process um and I think it was also important for us to show that like emotions happen during sex and you don't have to hide them and like you just have to communicate about them um and showing that like all kinds of things happen during sex and that's normal and great. we're all on our own journeys and sometimes we're naked at the same time absolutely <laughs> wow i'm gonna get on that tattooed yeah i'm gonna get, I'm gonna get that on a t-shirt yeah. one thing i wanted to say to go back um to a couple of things that you mm-hmm. touched on is i think that the reason why to me, I think the reason why the characters feel really natural and the emotions feel really natural is because so many of the actors were like are part of the queer community and all over the like in Chicago and other places. And I think that the characters like it felt they sort of embody the characters so well and so incredibly. Partly, I think because there are people that we know. There are people like the characters are people that we know. The characters are. An amalgamation of all kinds of our queer friends and communities and lovers and so I think that that familiarity to us was also a familiarity to the cast and that's why partially also their incredible talent mm-hmm. um, is why that comes across as I think I think emotionally real and that's probably why Tom and I are capable of, of gushing so much about this because the you know the casualness through which all of you guys seem to be interacting uh, it really brings the watcher in. It really brings the viewer in. And uh, I think, Tom, you mentioned something earlier about Roger Ebert's uh, right. quote about empathy in film. And it's. I think that even if somebody was relatively unaware of the queer community, um, I, feel, I would think they would be hard-pressed to not feel some sort of empathy through just even watching the first episode. Yeah, you're stepping into a world of friends. As you mentioned, I mean, these are really your friends. This is your community, and you're representing it in in such an honest way. And to a point where, as as a viewer, I felt like I got to step into it and be a guest and learn and see and be... um, be a part of it yeah be a part of it to to whatever extent um you know a viewer can be a part of it so i and that's what i think wants us uh to watch so much more of it is that 
it's the same thing that got you with uh, more typical, uh, typical being the wrong word probably, but sitcoms that have come before like Friends or Cheers or whatever, you get to step into this genuinely loving, um, caring friend group that just... It's so it puts a big smile on one's face. Puts a big smile wow. on the face. What a huge compliment. Yeah. Queer cheers. <laughs> queer cheers. Queer cheers. Queer cheers. Queer cheers. Queer cheers to queers. Are there are there plans for a second season, a second series? Uh, uh, no. If no. only it just like we like are so out, let me speak for both of us for a moment. Okay. Are so proud of Afternoon Snatch and like love this show so much. And it also did take three years and we have like other creative practices, other creative interests that we're pursuing. Um and I think for me especially by the end I realized that I like loved the content and I didn't necessarily love the entire process of filmmaking. Mm-hmm. Um which is so intensive and uh in so many different ways and and I was sort of leaving the commercial filmmaking industry and just feeling like I'm going in a new direction and Ruby's going in new directions and is pers- well what are what are you pursuing Ruby? <laughs> um well I think that eventually what I came to with this is that um there are other stories of like more marginalized people that I think need to be told more like I think that I feel so good about this and like how we brought in a lot of conversations and representations of different gender experiences and identities but um i don't know like racially i don't think that we did like racially diverse like our racial diversity was not what i would love to happen and also this was a story of like a cis white woman who like had a hard time and it's totally fine and so like in projects that i'm working on in the future i think that i want to like help other like be an assisting role in people telling stories that I think need more space because my that story can be told and has been told so many times. Yeah, I mean, I also think, though, that, like, we started writing three, almost four years ago now, and, like, that story, Afternoon Snatch, that story then, I think was really, really vital, and to me is still really, really vital. Um, like, I think the, the narrative that, you, like, finding community after a breakup instead of finding a new romantic partner is a really powerful one and a really important one. And I do also think that, like, it would be very different if we were writing it now. It would Mm -hmm. be a very different story. Um, And so I think, to some extent, it's funny to have seen it come out in 2017 because we wrote it in 2014, 2015, Mm -hmm. and that does feel like a very different world and a very different place. Yeah, and the narratives change a little bit over... You know, they change over time. Things... uh Things just change, and um, you know it, it is, I guess, the nature of the beast that it took y'all so long to mm-hmm. to make it. But that's just—it seems like that's just indie filmmaking. But yeah. I will say, I think I can speak for Connor as well that we're excited to see literally whatever comes next, whatever <laughs> whatever the next story you want. Oh, so great! Um, I do stand up comedy, so if you ever where can come we catch you doing stand up? Yes, uh, where Ruby <laughs> never let me come to a show. <laughs> that's is that true? Never yes. let or. Never let. I put it on the internet. Oh, well, then I wasn't paying attention. <laughs> okay. Before um, it was let, and then it wasn't. Yeah, attention. there was a while where I just wanted to do it alone and not sure. ever have to talk to anyone after that I ever knew. Um, I'm doing, I don't know when this comes out, but on the 21st, 
I am performing at Rogers Park Social, Laughs in the Lounge. That's oh my, my God, I love Rogers Park Social. It's such a good <laughs> yeah. bar. It's great. I I used to live in Rogers Park. I've recently left Rogers Park, literally within the last week. But um, okay. Rogers Park, great place to be. So good. And the bartender there on Wednesday nights is Rolo Rodriguez, who <gasps> played Andy. I didn't in know that he was a bartender Yeah, he there. is at the Rogers oh Park Social. God. Well, if you... If you as you should make a pilgrimage to <laughs> to Rogers Park Social, do it for Afternoon Snatch so you can meet one of these fantastic people and two hopefully, of them. yeah, two of them. Are you gonna go? No, I mean Rolo's there. Uh-oh. I mean, I no, might go no, to maybe I'm not three. three. Yes. <laughs> afternoon Snatch reunion, twenty seventeen. <laughs> Uh, it's great. Yeah. Uh, can you tell us just really quickly about the experience of working with Open TV? Yes. Yeah. Would love to. They, uh, MR came along really at a moment where we were, I think, floundering in the process. Right, we're um, like, do we put this on YouTube? Do right. we just like put it on VHS tapes and throw it off a bridge? <laughs> right. like, what, what, do what do we do? What do we do? What do we do? Um, and MR came along with this incredible platform that I had known about for probably a year. Um, actually met my girlfriend on a show that is also on Open TV called Full Out, uh, which was made by Julie uh, Keck and Jess. Um, oh my Finch? god. Fit. No, no, no. no. That's a different person. I know them really well. This is so embarrassing. Um, <gasps> King. King. No, Fink. No. Oh my god. Look them up. Jess yeah. and Julie. They, they are part of King is a Fink. They are amazing. King. Jess King. Duh. <sighs> I don't Can you cut that out? Okay, we can edit that in <laughs> post. Okay. Yeah. Um, Copy. Um, anyway, so yeah, full out. That's where I met my girlfriend. That was also on Open TV. So I knew of the platform for a year and was so enamored of the work that Amar was doing. Yeah. So and it started as work he was doing at Northwestern. Um, and now it's like become this amazing hub. Like, yeah. yeah. And it, it's, uh, wow, that was a nice little stutter. <laughs> <laughs> Excuse me. Um, so... He's highlighting work made by queer queer people, cis women, and people of color. And so it's like holding up these populations that like don't have these platforms in general and just putting them all in this one place. And there's so much good work on there. There's so much. So much good work. Yeah. Yeah. So I had seen, I mean, we're all sort of in the same places often. Um, so I'd seen Amar a few times and hadn't had the courage to go talk to him. Um, and so finally I was like, hi, my name's Kayla. Uh, I have this show. And he was like, oh, yeah, yeah, Afternoon Snatch. I want to talk to you about it. And I was like, oh, my God. He's already never, up on it. He's already up on it. Like, I've <laughs> never felt so uh, seen. It was just so great. So then we talked for a few months and we're like, yes, 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 yes. Got on yes. there. Yeah, and yes. we premiered alongside two amazing web series they put out last year, Brujos and Brown Girls, mm-hmm. which please check those out. They're both mm-hmm. absolutely amazing. Brown Girls just got slated for an HBO. What? 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 Really? Yeah. Yeah. That's oh, awesome. Yeah. They just got a development deal. So right on. Amazing. Yeah. You are amazing. Yes. <laughs> so it's so open TV. Wow. If you if you're gonna watch anything online and you want cha- you know probably put, will. yeah which you probably <laughs> will at some point. I mean I traded in my tube TV for for a Windows 98 computer. Hopefully it runs open TV. <laughs> nice. um, you can find that over at www.weareopen.tv um, and it's got afternoon snatch it's got so many other great shows and um 
it's you know it's a Chicago it's Chicago based mm-hmm. and it's an it's a open platform for queer and intersexual te- intersectional television pardon uh, and that's where you're gonna find Afternoon Snatch so many other great shows uh, Ruby and Caleb will you stick around with us for just a little bit longer and we're gonna talk about some we're gonna talk a little bit more general movies but uh, will you stick around a little bit. Yeah. Our pleasure. All right. Excellent. So, again, that's Ruby Western and Kayla Ginsberg, creators of Afternoon Snatch. You can find that over at weareopen.tv. We'll be back in just a moment to do a new segment, Connor. A new, very new segment. Brand new. Brand new. We're called, dusting it off. Yeah, we're dusting it off just for, just for Ruby and Kayla. It's called Missing Reels. All this and more. No, it's really just that. That's a, <laughs> and that'll be it. That, and that will be and the show. more. Uh, that's all coming up next on No Coast Cinema here on WGM+. Plus. Welcome back, everybody. You are still listening to No Coast Cinema here on WGN Plus, your guide to cinema here in the city of Chicago and all around, all around the world, all around the world, all around the world, uh, all around the world. We are professionals here at, uh, at No Coast Cinema, and we just want you to know that right off the bat. Um, we have been talking to Ruby Western and Kayla Ginsberg, who are the creators of a web series called Afternoon Snatch. Fantastic web series. You got to watch it. It's just six episodes. But it's a lifetime of entertainment. I'm like I'm, I'm ready to. I, seriously, I'm ready to watch it again. I'm so ready to watch it all the way through again. Uh, you can find it over at weareopen.tv. You've got the whole series there, in addition to a bunch of other great series. Uh, thank you so much for coming on the program again, Ruby and Kayla. Thank you for having thank us. You. No problem. And uh, last but not least, <laughs> my best friend and worst enemy. I don't know whether to hit you or hug you, Tom. Exactly. But that's actually fine. I'm. Uh, I'm over here watching episode three of Afternoon Snatch. So if yeah. I if I seem a little quiet, it's just because I you know don't bother me. I'm binge watching right now. I'm busy. Yes. I'm busy. busy. All right. So for our after credit sequence this time, we are going to be doing a little segment we concocted called Missing Reels. Uh, there are tons of movies out there that are considered famous or part of the pop culture zeitgeist that we haven't seen we kind of missed out on either we were too young or just never really got around to it and we uh, posed this question to ruby and kayla about what movie that they haven't seen that is kind of like this big deal but just never got around to it uh ruby i'd like to start with yours what is your missing reel I attempted to watch The Godfather in its entirety. And emphasis on the word attempt. (laughs) Yeah, where's the attempt? I tried. I tried. And then? And then, (laughs) not so much. No, no, not so much. So I, to preface this, like, there was a television in my house growing up, but we had a couple channels. I did not have a lot of screen time. I have missed out on so many movies. And so, Mm -hmm. you know, canonical movies I have seen. What have I seen? <laughs> I've seen Fiddler on the Roof a lot of times. Well, that's <laughs> like that's that's what I got going for me. So I was, but The Godfather, you know, is referenced everywhere all the time. Right. It's like, okay, I know there's a horse head situation. Yeah. So like, many fun childhood pranks. Right. Yeah. <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> I don't get it. 
<laughs> so I was like, okay, okay, we'll we'll do this. Um, yeah, and I watched it with someone that I just started dating, and I mean, it starts with this like story of an attempted rape, and then the only people of color in it are the help, and that's in the very beginning, and then there's blatant racist statements throughout, and uh, eventually I decided I would rather be making out with somebody than Fair watching enough. this movie. <laughs> What's, what were your expectations going in? Because, as you mentioned, it's referenced all the time. It's considered mm-hmm. one of these titans of American cinema. You know, Francis Ford Coppola, Al Pacino, like eventually Robert De Niro gets into the mix in part two. Mm-hmm. What what were your uh, notions of the film before you even sat down and watched it? Um, I was ready to watch a movie that included a severed horse head that had a lot of violence that I could like gird my loins for. Um, I was prepared for it to be very long and have some interesting family dynamics. Um. I guess I, I, I was pretty open to whatever filled in those the spaces between those <laughs> four pillars of whatever. Um, one thing I did like was how tender these men were with each other, like kissing each other on the face and stuff. Yeah. That was sweet. Very very old school Italian. Yeah. <laughs> right? Consiglieri's uh, yeah. and all that kind of stuff. Um, what did you think? So you mentioned some of the big problems with it. Uh-huh. Um, you know, attempted attempted rape, lots of violence, very few people of color. Um, you know, and a lot of and you know these ideas that are very old school to us. Uh-huh. Um, so is it? Ju- it just doesn't hold up anymore as a film. Like, how did how does it make you feel to watch it now in 2017? I mean, honestly, uh, I feel like it's just a waste of time to watch a bunch of like white dudes have issues with each other. I do. I just I think I don't. Ha- I didn't have time for it at the end of the day. <laughs> it's a formidable runtime, and how many times has that story been told? Right, like mm-hmm. literally mm-hmm. hundreds. Mm-hmm. 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 Now, Kayla, have you seen The Godfather? I have also never seen The Godfather, yeah. so I am. In the, I didn't even know about a horse head. Like I have, I similarly, yeah, to Ruby, grew up in a house with. Um, there was a physical television, but we never had any channels or anything, and we had a few VHSs that I would watch over and over and over and over and over mm-hmm. again. Um, so I. I have seen Chitty Chitty Bang Bang like a thousand times. <laughs> Chitty 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 Bang Bang Bang. It's also a scary movie. Um, so <laughs> you were gonna watch The Shining this week? Yeah. <laughs> After yeah. <me>. My <laughs> girlfriend is a huge horror fan and like really wants me to get in into the Shining, the horror. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm horrified. I yeah. can't do it. Into the horror. Yeah. So, so I've welcome. also never seen The Godfather and also have no idea what it's about. Wow. So I mean, and that's the thing. It's um, there's so many. Well, there's so many movies that we consider to be part of the great. You call it the canon, the canon of cinema, and uh, I think a lot of people are afraid to reconsider The Godfather because it is like, oh, you don't like The Godfather? What do you mean you don't like? I've got the poster up on my bar, you know, in my man cave. Marlon Brando. Yeah, Marlon Brando. What did you? I have to know. What did you think of Marlon Brando as the titular Godfather? Um, I mean, he, I got a weird crush on him 
yeah. in general. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I love him with this the little, cat. Like, <laughs> itching of the face and the oh my god, the cat. Yeah, that was my favorite part. That and the leave the gun, take the cannolis. That's yeah. There you go. Mind. Fun so fun cool. fact about the cat. He actually just that was that was not supposed to be like going on. He just found that cat. Oh my god. <laughs> he just found this kitten and he's just like, come with me, kitten. I'm you know gonna I'm make from you on the waterfront. Yeah, to make you a movie yeah, star. Yeah. Talking about planning a murder while I'm touching. I mean, that that was important to have like a little bit of tenderness in this dude mm-hmm. from the get-go. Humanized a little bit. So, his voice and his yeah. face. I mean, his the character was incredible, what he was doing. Yeah. But a whole lot of squinting. A <laughs> whole lot of frowning. A whole lot of, yes, very they actually flat put, <laughs> they put I cotton wish you could balls. see what Ruby looks they like. They put right cotton now. balls? Yeah, they put cotton balls in his mouth. To get the thing. Get you know, sound like an old Italian man. That was that was that I'm was good. Good. I cannot. Do my my grandfather's Italian, so that's kind of what he sounds like. Yeah, yeah, off the <gasps> off the boat. So, I mean, uh, no. just to bring that perspective into, I've always thought the Godfather was super interesting for that first the the whole wedding scene. Yeah, because it does it does capture that uh, the Italian community, especially at that time, still being considered, um, you know, being considered really low on the social ladder when it comes to uh, ethnicities in that time in America. So mm-hmm. I, I always appreciated that. Um, and when it when it comes to all the the horrifying stuff, I'm always teetering between. I disagree with this because it sh- it is bad. Like these are bad things that they're talking very frankly about murder, rape, like some pretty bad stuff. The treatment of women in this in this movie is horrendous. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, I don't know how far you got into it. Where with um, I think the character Carlo Rizzi and. Um, the what was it, Michael Corleone's sister? Oh who, yeah, 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 yeah. That that scene that's, of domestic violence. Yeah, um, fucking terrifying. But I I also teeter on this idea. I was like, well, would it be wrong to say, would it be wrong to not say that it that stuff happened in the nineteen forties, nineteen fifties? So, right. but I want to say no because I it's hard. It's so hard to watch. Mm-hmm. I think it so depends on how things are shot right. and how they're treated. Like I think that. It can be important to show um, some realistic parts about what life has been at different points in time. But also, I think that excuse is used a lot um, when they're not showing other realistic parts. Mm-hmm. They're just like choosing to show this one realistic part. Um, right. And, and, I, and if it's not explicitly, I don't know. Like when I was watching Mad Men, I went back and forth between that too, where I was like, is this a good like narrative entry into problematic realities of a certain time period? But it's not dealt with or, at all. Right. So. Or is this like. <laughs> a nostalgic thing for a time when that was like considered more okay. Yeah. yeah. Are they are they making um Betty Draper just like a punching bag for all of life's problems? Right. You know? Yeah. And um, maybe that's why it's not coming across as very timely anymore because of it's just a very dispassionate approach and they just sort of feel like they're going through the motions, you know? There doesn't mm-hmm. maybe seem anything particularly unique about what they're going through. They've done this before and they'll do it again. You kind of get that feeling. Mm-hmm. Right. Using using the female characters as a just a means to show the horrors of uh, the horrors of humanity when it's really just the horrors of men in this right. case yeah. right you don't get to see her story arc before that and no. after that you just see like what happens to the men yeah. surrounding that right and that's not realistic like no. in real life you would follow both narratives or like these two humans come to this point and like have stories mm-hmm. behind all of their actions and whatever right. um and that is 
that's why like the realism thing I feel like is always a feeble excuse about portraying rape mm-hmm. right right well for um, for Ruby then no no godfather going for you don't need to go through the rest of the trilogy then I'm guessing <laughs> we'll just cut it off there. I'll just watch 30 Rock again. There, bingo. <laughs> bingo. All right. So The Godfather for Ruby, that's a that's a no. That's a reel that we can put back on the shelf. Put it away. Sorry uh, everybody. Hey. The thing is, well, it's like I it's like we said earlier, you know, it's um it's good to reconsider these films mm-hmm. because time does cause you to look at these things through rose-colored glasses because I'm sure in the 70s, I mean, that's part of the whole new Hollywood movement. You know, this is when George Lucas and Spielberg and Francis Ford Coppola all coming up. They're like, yeah, we're going to do things. We're going to be, you know, edgy and different and do things that are a little bit more visceral, which at the time was extremely important because they were getting away from old Hollywood and uh, doing something a little bit more true to life but then now it's like okay how excessive was it how how much was it just the male bravado trying to come through in film mm-hmm. um so don't feel bad about not liking the god you are not i guarantee you're not the only person in the world that doesn't like the Godfather. and you're saving me from it i mean i was yeah. like maybe i should watch it but now i don't think i will <laughs> but let's get over to kayla you watched a uh, a very famous documentary uh, Grey Gardens. Yeah. And you had never seen... Have you, had you heard of it before? I'd heard of it, it, and I'd been shown um, a clip, and I think, like, at some point, I'd also seen another... One of the other scenes was familiar to me. And I'd heard of it, and the way that it was always introduced to me was kind of like... Um, it's really weird and intense and also I felt like it was always introduced with like an edge of humor like it's kind of a funny thing to see and I did not feel like it was funny at all um yeah but I would keep it on the classics I thought it was pretty incredible it it made me feel just lots of things Mm -hmm. it made me want to clean my apartment like (laughs) 10,000 times um and it made me feel really sad about even like now, like as now also, how there's just like not support systems for aging people, um, or for there's just not support systems in our society, and especially it looks like to some extent not in the aristocracy, although they did have food delivered to them. So I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it was just it made me feel a lot of things. Yeah, and for those listening who have n- not heard of Grey Gardens or uh, really only got the surface level thing it does deal with um deals with jackie kennedy jackie onassis jackie bouvier uh her one of her aunts and one of her cousins living in a kind of a decrepit house in east uh, east hampton but it's east a hampton. manor yeah it's yeah it's a estate. manor it's a decrepit estate and it is an interesting look as you said about like the aristocracy and like what happens when you get left behind by your more famous um um, by your more famous relatives. Now, Connor, uh, speaking to that idea, I like that idea that people come to it, they think it's there's a level of humor to it. Right. Because if you've, if any, have you ever watched Documentary Now with Bill Hader and um, Fred, Fred Armisen? Armisen? No, should I? Well, the first episode of it is a, so it's a satirical, they make fun of famous documentaries. The mm. first episode is they send up Greg Gardens, mm-hmm. and it follows Bill Hader. And Fred Armisen both playing women living in it's literally that setup. Yeah. Wow. And they is... bring the the humor through it yeah. and 
but I do kind of maybe want to come back to that idea of you're supposed to watch it with maybe a comedic eye, but at the heart of it is it's it's kind of a horror story, and that's what Fred Armisen and Bill Hader highlight by the end of the episode. Interesting. Is that it's it's like a comedy, clearly, because they're like raccoons running through the house. There's like, you're not supposed to feed the you know the vermin or whatever yeah. but fred armison is just like feeding the raccoon chips so it keeps coming back yeah and so it's supposed to be funny but at the heart of it i mean these people are there's a element of mental illness here right yeah. and that was actually my introduction to the film yeah. i had never heard of it before that really? which is weird yeah. yeah it's an odd it's an odd introduction to it but yeah something i was also thinking about a lot watching it was um and maybe I tend to blame things on aristocracy, but like just like what arist what like growing up with this in this way can do to someone. Um, to me, it felt like like the the way that they'd both grown up with this certain level of um, the ways that you should be and like listening to your mother and not listening to your mother and just like all of these like behavioral constraints and also privileges um, was. I mean, yeah, created created these two people, these two characters, um, in a way that I think like has a lot to blame for where they were at. And the the bizarre sense of comedy is undercut eventually. I think when you first engage with it, there is that kind of bizarre, like, oh, who are these old ladies like living in this weird house? You know, um, con- you know, dressed very strange. One constantly has a. Uh, it's the two Edis, the two Edies. Yeah, they're na- they have yeah. the same name. Yeah, yeah, Big Edie and Little Edie. Yeah, Big Edie and Little Edie, and you're just kind of like, oh, this is so bizarre. What a strange thing. And then as you go on. I think what the film, what made the film such a success and what made it such a legendary um, documentary is that eventually you start to feel really bad and you're mm-hmm. just like, wait, these are just regular people who are more or less victims of circumstance. They got left behind and no one wanted to support them anymore and they didn't really know how to live their lives. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Connor, you mentioned off air that it is kept in the Library of Congress. Yeah, it's preserved yeah. in the Library of Congress, uh, deemed culturally significant. Um, and I think when you're watching it, you might, you might maybe even call that into into question. But they are cousins and aunts of Jackie Kennedy. Yeah. So that's probably a thing that colored that decision. And I think even now, uh, as as a work in the documentary filmmaking canon, I, I would say it's almost essential viewing if you want to get into documentaries or that, because it feel it feels like a lot of modern documentaries do. Like yeah. with there's a lot of like the kind of no narration from the from the documentarian, yeah. just showing literally what's happening. You get a little bit of that in um, in some documentaries, so it almost it kind of helped invent a style. Yeah. yeah, you're sort of expecting an arc, and there isn't really an arc. Mm-hmm. There's just this sort of like keeps keeps going, keeps going. And I yeah. did, um, I do think it was pretty revolutionary for showing the filmmakers, like they mm-hmm. filmed themselves in the mirror a couple times, um, and they're pretty explicit about their role, which I think was sort of new at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, which now a lot of documentary, I mean, I think that's sort of like what all documentaries should and are doing should be doing, um, but. Yeah, I mean, it was interesting because it's such a story of exploitation. And then to have documentary, which is like already a pretty exploitative medium, um, be ever present. And like there's this one scene. It does make you just feel so weird. Like there's this one scene where Big Edie gets up and like her shirt falls down Mm -hmm. and you see her exposed breasts. Um, And the camera does pan away, but 
doesn't pan away that quickly. And yeah, it just like really it shows it it's it shows this realism mm-hmm. um, sort of opposite of The Godfather. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that it's, it's, is pretty brutal to watch, and I feel like calls into question. I don't know. It's like it's like this weird uh, line that they're walking between documentary and like voyeurism. Yeah, exactly. Totally. Yeah. Like you're kind of. I don't know. It's it does make you feel. That's the only really the way you can put it is it makes you feel weird yeah. that you're watching this. You don't come away with it with a sense that it's just like f- good for a few yucks. Yeah. No. It is. It is not. Is a very good. Is a very good film. It's a very challenging film in terms of when you think of the the bones of it, and uh, as as you mentioned, Kayla, that it uh, it shows the documentarians. It, it's it's is it is that modernist or postmodern? I don't know where you like. Like where you show the the thing the that means you're making, of making yeah, yeah, the the means of production, as they say, you know, you get to see who's making the documentary, um, and I guess that would that leads to what Michael Moore running up and asking people questions and like that's them. where we got, that's where, yeah. we <laughs> that's where we are now. <laughs> Gray Gardens to now Fahrenheit 9/11, <laughs> um, but yeah, that's thank you so much for for both of you watching these films. Yeah, thank you um, for challenging us to do it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's sometimes you know. Sometimes it just you got. It's weird to cross that threshold and be like, you know, I'm gonna do this. Yeah, because we're talking about you know. Some people are like, what? You're just watching a movie. I'm like, yeah, but you're like, you're finally crossing over and saying, I am going to watch this movie and I'm going to find out, find out what the like cultural significance is all about and all you know that's and challenge like. that. Yeah, you know. crossing a, crossing a threshold. Yeah, cross the threshold. So uh, that's that's our first edition of missing reels um hopefully we'll do another one again because keep it up i like it yeah it's very cool so uh that brings us to the end of the show um thank you so much again to ruby and kayla uh they are the creators of afternoon snatch which you can watch on uh open tv the website for that is we are open.tv uh where else can they find out more about what you are both up to or anything with where can they find more about afternoon snatch um after that, so we have a, <laughs> to be honest, kind of dormant Facebook and Instagram, but uh, we do have an afternoon snatch Facebook and Instagram that you should go to check out our great like production pics that mm-hmm. are adorable. Um, and otherwise, I think we're going to be putting it on YouTube pretty soon. Right now, it's on Vimeo. Um, and so, yeah, that's where you learn about afternoon snatch. Open TV. I mean, just, I would just say just like go to Open TV, learn about afternoon snatch, and learn about all of the other incredible shows, and watch them all because they're so stellar mm-hmm. and so important. And yeah, what TV should be looking like? Let's hope so. We can only we can only hope that TV can be as good as what as afternoon snatch. <laughs> oh so. my god! <laughs> they're starting to get mad at us here. My day job tomorrow. I finally did. I pissed them off by complimenting them. <laughs> we finally we've arrived. Done. We made it. The seminal episode of No <laughs> <laughs> We're here, baby. We're in Hollywood. All right. So again, Ruby Western and Kayla Ginsberg, creators of Afternoon Snatch. Thank you so much for coming on the show uh, and educating us. Yeah, educating us. I hope you had a good time. Thank oh, you so much. Great. Thank you both. Yeah, it was awesome. Thank you, Connor, for joining me, as always. Thank you, Tom. Even though I hate your guts. Yeah, <laughs> we're working through that. Yeah. <laughs> we've hired. We've actually hired a special, you know, A couple counselor, because I yeah. suggested. It's yeah. great. This is Patricia, our in-house uh, <laughs> therapist. <laughs> 
she just kind of sits. She she's yeah. I think she, she likes she, the. She's enjoying the view. I think. Yeah. I mean, who who wouldn't? Who wouldn't? All right. This has been No Coast Cinema here on WGM Plus. We are your guide to cinema here in the city of Chicago and all around the world. We will see you next time. We are on every single Monday talking about film, talking about the people who are making film here in the city. If you uh, if you want to find out more about the show, head on over to facebook.com slash no coast cinema podcast there. You can find all of our episodes and keep up to date with what we're doing. You can see some pictures from uh, from all the recordings and soon we will be on iTunes and the WGM plus app. So stick around. Uh, keep an eye open for that. Again, a sharp ear. Yeah, a sharp ear to the to the floor. Um, <laughs> I want you to cut up the floor with that sharp ear. <laughs> okay. Noco Cinema. Good morning, good evening, and good night. 